He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, 5 o'clock show and Cats at Night. And today is the last primary in New York and in Florida. And we're going to find out what the heck is going on and... and uh, we got some common sense people, a lot of people coming on today uh, in the studio with us. We have a common sense Democrat, Republican. We have Judge Richard Weinberg, Craig Eaton, 10 years, the chairman of, of the GOP chairman of Brooklyn, Lydia Serrani uh, on my side. And uh, who do we have on first? Who, who's on? Who's calling in? We have Andrew McCarthy. He's a columnist for the National Review. He serves as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York. Welcome back to Cats at Night, Andrew McCarthy. Andy, it's uh, Richard Weinberg. How are you? Judge, you're doing great. How are you? Good. You had a great column, which is entitled, Could Trump Talk Himself into Indictment? Would you tell our listeners what that column is about, please? Well, I think we're in a situation where the Justice Department probably feels that it has a case that it could bring in connection with the, the former president's retention of government records uh, down at Mar-a-Lago, which uh, a judge, a federal magistrate judge, found probable cause. That's why there was a, a search warrant issued uh, that it violated three federal criminal statutes. But I also think, you know, on the other side of the ledger, um, we've never had a prosecution of a former president of the United States before. And I think it's sensible to say that if we're going to break that history, it ought to be over something egregious. So the thing that Attorney General Garland has to weigh here is even if he has a sufficient case, is this really one that the Justice Department ought to bring? And I think in, in those circumstances, having worked for the Justice Department for a very long time, the best thing for a defendant or a suspect uh, who hasn't been charged and hopes not to be charged, the best thing for him to do would be to be quiet. Uh, and not say anything provocative, and particularly not say anything that suggests the Justice Department is guilty of, uh, of corruption. And, and, the and there's a problem also because you have uh, precedent there. Obama grabbed some documents in the thousands and thousands, didn't return them, and uh, Hillary Clinton allegedly destroyed documents. So how do they go after Trump if you have those two precedents when nothing was done against those folks? Yes, I, and I think you know the thing with the thing with this case is. Those wins would all blow in Trump's direction, in, in his favor. The problem is, and I can say this as somebody who was there for a long time, if you're going to besmirch people's honor under circumstances where no matter what you think, they think they acted honorably and did the right thing and that they're actually being lenient because they have a criminal case that they could bring, but they're, you know, the attorney general may be inclined not to bring it. If somebody if, – if, the suspect is out there making accusations like that. What's going on inside the walls of the Justice Department is the prosecutors and the agents are going to their supervisors, perhaps going to the attorney general and saying, please, let us charge this case. He's out there saying things that aren't true about us. And the only way that we can uh, you know, defend our honor and tell people what really happened is if we charge him and have a public trial and prove what really happened here. So. I just think it's a mistake for him to, you know, to be poking the bear. It, 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 goes, it goes back to uh, having a big mouth doesn't help sometimes. Yeah. 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 I, I, 
I'd say that's uh, words of wisdom. Andrew, this is Craig Eaton. And, you know, I'm a practicing attorney here in the city. And, and, and one of the biggest problems I think that Trump has is you're never going to keep him quiet. You're never yeah. going to get him to not talk. And I think it's, it's not in his DNA. And that's what's going to get him in trouble. But, you know, this whole thing is, is a witch hunt. And isn't it really about January 6th? And isn't it about the 2024 election rather than the fact that he's got some documents? Well, I certainly think that, you know, it, it's not one of these situations, Craig, where, where it has to be, you know, mutually exclusive. And what I mean by that is I think, like you seem to think, that their real agenda here is to make a January 6th case on the former president. I also think that if he had highly classified documents down there, they want those back because they're concerned about them being in a place that's not uh, secure enough. And there has also been this thrumming dispute that's apparently gone on since he left uh, office for Mar-a-Lago on January 20th, 2021, which is that he thinks or he want, he he feels like the presidential records are his property, which, you know, they were president's properties up until the Watergate era when Congress changed the law and made clear that they're the property of the United States. The National Archives wants them back because that's what the statute says. So I think all three of these things can be true. It can be true that the National Archives wants the records back. It could be true that the government is very concerned about the classified information. And it can also be true that they have a closet agenda where they really want to get them on January 6th if he had information down there that can help their case. But, you know, they talk about national security. And, you know, I think that if, if they were really concerned with national security, they should ban Hunter Biden from anywhere near Washington, D.C. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well— yeah, that's a that's a uh, that's a big problem, and I think it's a problem that hasn't gotten nearly enough attention. And, and the only thing you need to say about that to to demonstrate that people that to people is if Hunter Biden, if instead of Hunter Biden, we were talking about you know Don Trump Jr., this would be the only thing we'd be talking about, and there'd be congressional hearings about you know was he compromised and what did the Chinese have on him and what did the Russians have on him, and I mean you know what it would be, it would be a it would be a circus. But because it's Hunter Biden, instead, the whole thing is kind of swept under the rug in a, a very alarming well, way, because I think a lot of money went from China to the Biden family. And, and similarly, do you think if it was anybody but Trump, they would have served a, a search warrant rather than just going through the subpoena process and negotiating it out? My gut tells me no. Uh, but, you know, I, I want to clarify, you know, I want to qualify that we don't know what information was down there, and we don't know what efforts were made to get the information back. One of the things that puzzled me about Attorney General Garland's uh, highly unusual statement, public statement that he made about the cases, I I think attorney generals should not talk, but if they do talk, they should address the things that people are concerned about. And the, the things that were obviously concerning to people is why do this now? Why do it by such a highly intrusive method as a, as a search warrant? What happened here that made this necessary? He didn't address all those questions. That doesn't mean there's not an explanation, but I think if he was going to speak, he should have told us what the explanation was. That's why we need to see the affidavit support a search warrant. Andrew yeah, well, McCarthy, I, this know, is I, this is Lydia Serrani. I, I, just, I, I know we keep talking about the raid and the affidavit, but I want to talk about How does this have nationwide implications, specifically on the midterm elections and then the elections in November for the Republicans? We saw that a lot of Trump-backed candidates, 
They they won their primary, but we have to talk about the general, right? That's the ultimate goal here. You want to win the general. And while, you know, the raid and everything energized Trump's base, at the end of the day, they're going to vote for Trump anyway. The undecided, the independent, those are the people that are going to sway an election. And I'm afraid. I'm afraid because those people are going to say, well, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. The FBI wouldn't have gone after him if there wasn't some sort of criminality. And I think in the long run, this could hurt Trump. I'm interested to hear what you think. Lydia, I I think it's actually even worse than that. Because whether it hurts Trump or not, that's that's like 2024, right? Right, right, right. Um, in, in the here and now, what we should have been talking about and what we were talking about up until three weeks ago was the Biden administration and its record and inflation and the Iran deal and China policy and all those things that the, the, the incumbent administration is struggling on. And here we have, like, for the last three weeks, we're right back to, um, you know, Trump, it's Trump, Trump. all Trump all the time. And I don't think that helps whether you're a pro-Trump Republican or you're not crazy about Trump, you know, the the goal for the Republicans is to talk about Biden and the way the administration has flailed. And we haven't done that for three weeks. And it's not a surprise. His his particular Biden's uh, polls are not exactly surging. But, you know, the Democrats are suddenly looking better in a number of these uh, recent polls in terms of, you know, the control of Congress next time around. And, uh, you know, you had McConnell come out last week and say, you know, uh, he's not so confident that uh, that they're going to take the Senate. I think we all would have thought a month ago that the uh, you know the Senate looked pretty good for the Republicans, and the House they'll they'll probably take because as a matter of just you know straight arithmetic, um, they they should retake the House just because of districting and and other stuff. But it may not be the wave that we were all figuring it would be, and I don't think it helps that we're talking about Trump and we're talking about 2020 and we're talking about. You know, classified information down in Mar-a-Lago, we should be talking about Biden and inflation, which, you know, that if you want to play to your strengths, that's what you'd be talking about. Inflation, the, the border, crime, and that's why they're keeping Biden in the yeah. basement. And notice his poll numbers go up the more he doesn't speak. Well, because my, Trump my, is on stage. I'm more popular. I'm more popular with my wife when I don't speak. So I'm not, <laughs> that's I'm not good. Same all, with my husband. I'm not at all no. surprised <laughs> to hear that. No, but they did a great job of getting Biden off the front pages and putting Trump down. That's their strategy. That's how they won the election. They put him in the basement. And then Trump, Trump, let's be honest, Trump's own mouth got him in, in trouble. OK, like, let's be real. I'm, I, I voted for Trump. Oh, that what was that? The gods again that came in and and hung up on uh, what happened? Do we have him, Andy McCarthy? On? I'm here. Oh, no, I'm oh here. we thought something happened again. Um, but, you know, Trump's no, yesterday, my, wife told we, me to, my wife told me to be quiet. <laughs> yesterday, Bill O'Reilly was on with us and and uh, he said something about the, God, cardinal, God, about the cardinal, about the cardinal and God struck him down. Yeah, literally. Right. <laughs> the, the, phone the phone went dead. Right. It's a very dangerous line to be on WABC. The only person who yeah. could beat Trump is Trump. Like, I feel like he's his own worst enemy sometimes. Yeah. Can you talk to him? Can somebody get through to him and say to him, listen, let's well, stop. We're, we're talking to. Uh, McLaughlin later on. McLaughlin talks to him all the time. He's got to look forward, talk about making us energy independent, that he's going to secure the border. He's going to, you know, bring down inflation. He's going to make things affordable again. He's not going to let kids get their genitalia cut off. Like, we need to focus on what's ahead, not what's behind us. Well, thank you very much, uh, Andrew, uh, and uh, God bless you, and God bless America, and and hope we move forward in the right way, and, and, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. 
My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Now we have Professor Dershowitz, just, uh, what, 50 years at Harvard Law? Professor Dershowitz, how are you, sir? I'm good, but I'm very upset about what's been going on. You know, the Biden administration has said that they have the power to waive executive privileges that were invoked by their predecessor, President Trump, and by the man who may run against uh, Biden. If, If that turns out to be acceptable to the courts, it means the end of executive privilege. Exactly right. That's it. awful. Yeah, that's what you said, Judge. That, when think about it just from a common sense point of view. What president will ever confide in a cabinet member, will ever confide in his legal counsel, will ever confide in his chief of staff, if he knows that if he loses reelection, his opponent can then say, aha, but what let, did he say to you and call them and call them all in front of grand juries? Let's backtrack, Professor Dershowitz, and explain to our listeners what you mean about Biden waiving Trump's executive privilege. Well, what happened is that the <clears throat> Justice Department wanted to get all of these documents, and uh, obviously there were going to be executively privileged documents in them. And according to reports, at least, the uh, White House um, uh, waived the executive privilege of Donald Trump and allowed the Justice Department to get these documents. Now, Donald Trump is seeking to have a special master appointed, which is the right thing a former judge, a former justice, a former dean of a law school, to go through each paper and see whether they deserve protection under executive privilege, under the Fifth Amendment, under any client client privilege or anybody else. And that's what should be done. You know, by getting a search warrant, you shouldn't be able to circumvent the Fourth, Fifth, and Sixth Amendments to the Constitution. It should have the same rules as would apply if there were a subpoena. And that's what a special master would do. Is the court uh, going to grant us the application for special master, Alan? I don't think so. Um, no, it seems it. to me that he's going to make the decisions himself. And um, we'll see. We'll uh, see. Trump, um, Trump has no friends. That's the problem. In the courthouses. He has some friends. But, In the courthouses, he doesn't have any friends. A special master would be neutral. That's, they don't want that. Uh, they don't well, want not. neutrality. They want to control the, the destiny. But this, this may ultimately get to the Supreme Court. The issue of executive yeah. privilege will get to the Supreme Court, and I think Trump will win in the Supreme Court. Um, it's interesting, again, that if this were Hillary Clinton, all the liberals, civil libertarians, ACLU, would be on the side of executive privilege. You don't have one government or agency you know, in waiving the privilege. But because it's get Trump, that's the rule today. If you can say get Trump, Everything that goes Trump to the sideline. Burn too Trump many bridges. No constitutional law, no rule of law, nothing. Well, we, Larry, we have uh, Rona. Wrote an article today. Yeah, we have Rona McDaniel article. coming on at uh, at about five twenty two, five twenty three, and uh, she. Uh, the question we're going to ask her: It seems like there's a, a civil war in the GOP right now, too. Yeah, uh, there is, and you know there is a silence of a war within the Democratic Party too. We're going to see it played out in some of today's uh, primaries between the centrist Democrats and the extreme woke left progressive regressive Democrats. And with the Republicans, it tends to focus on pro-Trump, anti-Trump. But, you know, we now have essentially four parties in the United States. It's uh, very sad. How do you think this ends with Trump? What's your legal expertise, (sighs) Professor Dershowitz? Well, um, if if Garland is smart, he doesn't indict, and he doesn't tear the country apart. But if he's going to indict, it better be a Nixon-type crime. It better be something that the Republicans agree he should be indicted for. 
uh, if it turns out that they indict simply for document retention, controversial right. hmm? document retention. Then, uh, I, I think, you know, there's a Wall Street Journal article today about how the president had the right to hold on to these classified materials. If that becomes the issue, it's not enough to indict. Forget about the former president, the man who's going to run against the current president. You can't use the Justice Department to gain political advantage. And that's what's so, so dangerous today. Yeah, Rifkin wrote a, an article in the Wall Street Journal, an op-ed piece, if that's what you're referring to. And he yeah. said it's not even a violation of law here because under right. the, the Presidential Document Act, he had a right to those documents. You don't send in 30 FBI agents into a former president's home and comb through his wife's underwear and clothes and God only knows what else for nine hours over some documents that may or may not be classified when all they had to do was subpoena them. Am I right, Professor Dershowitz? I'm not a legal expert, but this is this was overkill. Well, they already subpoenaed them. All they had to do was enforce the subpoena. Exactly. The court okay. And exactly. say, enforce the subpoena. And I focus much more on the fact that he may be a future president than a former president, that he is the person who may run to try to deny the current incumbent reelection. And that's what the Justice Department should be sensitive to. That's an ex- excellent point. That's exactly right. Alan Dershowitz, we have to run today. I'm sorry we're cutting you Thank short. You. And we'll catch no, up with you again soon. Pleasure. Thanks. And now uh, we have our uh, Republican National Chairwoman. RNC Chair, Chairwoman Rona McDaniel. How are you? Great. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me. Give us the big picture. I mean, uh, the thing that troubles us here that the rumors going around that there's a civil war going on within the Republican Party. Uh, with the people that hate Donald Trump, uh, the leaders of the Senate, the leaders of the Congress who don't want to get Trump appointees elected because they might turn on them. Uh, That's a difficult question for me to ask you, and I apologize, but the the, the rumors are going around, so I think you're the right person to to say the, the truth. Absolutely. You know, what I'm seeing is all hands on deck to elect whoever's nominated in every state. I was just with J.D. Vance in Cleveland, a candidate that President Trump endorsed. And I will just tell you how impressed I was with him. We did a fundraising event and he is a phenomenal candidate. And I could go through the whole list. But the bottom line is the people have spoken. The primaries are almost done. New York has one today. Florida has one today. We've got New Hampshire coming up. And now we need to elect Republicans. And the only way we take back the majority in the House and the Senate is if we work together. And that's what the RNC is totally focused on. Now, if there is prejudice in the Republican Senatorial Committee or the, or the Republican Congressional Committee, where's the RNC stand? Are you guys straight? Yeah, I don't. I haven't seen that, John. So, I, you know, I work with Rick Scott and I work with Kevin McCarthy. I'm the one that gives you the rumors. <laughs> you're giving me the rumors. So I haven't seen that. I mean, we meet every week. So the RNC is in about 70 House districts already heading into the midterm. And we're obviously in uh, all the Senate races, the Senate seats that are going to be pivotal. And we're working very well together. I've not I've never heard anyone say, oh, we don't want to support this candidate because they're a Trump nominated well the, the, nobody's nobody's saying that it's the whisper campaign and the movement of money around uh i know in pennsylvania uh the old mccormick people that 
hated Dr. Oz, and Dr. Oz is a good friend of mine. Uh, there's yeah. a whisper campaign to, to let's teach him a lesson and make him lose. Well, that's ridiculous. It's counterintuitive because Fetterman is a pure socialist uh, mm-hmm. who Oz is running against in Pennsylvania. Fetterman is to the left of Bernie Sanders. He is all in for cashless bail, defunding the police. He will be a disaster in the Senate. So, I, I what legalization I of all drugs. He yeah, wants to empty the prisons. He's like he's the yeah. ogre version of AOC uh, Dr. in a big Oz is a good ugly sweater. Of mine. He saved at least two of my friends' lives by going into the operating room and being there and supervising the operation. So why yeah. is Tucker Carlson going after Oz? Why do we see some like why did this guy? Why is Tucker Carlson yeah, I, going after him? I'm not going to speak for Tucker. I will just say I've spent a lot of time with Dr. Oz, and first of all, he is working incredibly hard. Yes. We have to elect him to the Senate. We can. Listen, there's a thing that happens in the summer in all of these midterms where the media starts to put this narrative out, oh, Republicans can't win the Senate. They're really trying to do this right now and depress it and say, oh, the candidates. And uh, there's no better candidate than Dr. Oz, especially when it comes to health care issues and what he did um, as, a, as a cardiac surgeon. Yeah. J.D. Vance, Herschel Walker, Adam Laxalt, the list goes on and on and on. Ted Budd. I mean, we've got great candidates. So <laughs> they need the resources to win. And that's an issue. The Democrats have had a huge infusion of cash because of the Dobbs decision. I think they raised $500 million the first week after that. And Republicans, our, our small-dollar donors, are working-class Americans who are being crushed by inflation and, and gas prices. So if we have the resources, we win every day. Resources are going to be a big issue, but we absolutely have a great candidate base. And the RNC is in every one of these states and every one of these districts to pull out the win. Chairwoman, this is Craig Eaton. I was the Republican chairman in Brooklyn and the vice chair in New York State Party for about 10 years. And... You know what? I mean, the Biden family, uh, the president and Biden and his family are the, the gift that keep on giving. And, and this is our opportunity in, in 22 and 24 to take back. And you know what? Like John said before, there's all these different campaigns going on, Republicans against Republicans, and it's killing us. And, and yeah. you know, we got to get the message out. Yeah, well, we are. I mean, I, I'm not interested in any of the if anybody if another Republican is not supporting another Republican, shame on them right now. Yeah, because we have to unite. Yeah. And I'll say this about David McCormick. I know he's helping Oz. I know with J.D. Vance, Josh Mandel and Bernie Moreno. And I was actually at the event with with J.D. and Mike Gibbons was there, one of his opponents in the primary and Jane Timken. Everybody's coming together after these, you know, difficult primaries. Um, and the NRSC and the RNC and the NRCC, we're working together, but we have to win. They have money. Resources are a big issue. When their candidates are outraising our candidates six to one, that's a big issue. And that's why we're out building a ground game and focusing on getting the message out. And it's going to be critical that everybody support these candidates that you believe in so that they can get the message out. So I'd say go support Oz today. Go support J.D. Vance. Find their website and give them money because it's pivotal that they're on TV, Adam Laxalt, Ted Budd, Tiffany Smiley, Marco Rubio, Ron Johnson. Um, we're going to win back the House. We need four to win back the House. We're going to win back the House. And then the Senate is is tough. I mean, we need one seat, and we've got five or six retirements. And, and then all the seats we want to pick up are being held by uh, incumbent Democrats with big war chests. Uh, Rona McDaniel, I know the governor's race here in New York is, what, 11 weeks away? And a new poll just yeah. came out saying that Hochul is up against Zeldin. 
But I mean, stop, how, yeah, stop spreading dumb rumors. I'm just, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm I mean, not, you I'm, believe those 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 polls? I don't believe. I hope it's not true. But how do we energize? I mean, it's possible. I think it's possible that New York could vote in a Republican. I mean, right now we're looking at. I think the decision is going to be who is going to keep New York safe after November. New York is yep. a combat zone right now. It's a combat zone. People are getting you, bashed I mean, in the head with rocks. If your kids were 10, 12 years old, would you allow them in the subway? No, I won't go okay. on the subway. So who are you going to vote for? Of, of, for me, there's no Whoever question. Whoever's going to keep your kids safe, that's who you're voting for. So how do we get that message across to these staunch Democrats here in New York that are just We've like— We've got 50,000 watts, and we're doing it. Yeah, and, and and Lee's running a good campaign again. He's got to, you know, he's, he's going to have to have the resources. The RNC is heavily invested in New York. We have five potential pickup house seats in New York. So the New York Supreme Court, as liberal as they are, they threw out the gerrymandered Democrat maps and really put us in play to pick up seats in New York. So we have a huge investment in New York right now um, to turn out the vote. But what I would say is, this is a year where we flipped a governor's race in Virginia or, or, or last year in a state that Biden had won by 10. But then you look at Jack Titarelli in New York or New Jersey, where Biden had won by 16 points, and he came very close to winning that governorship. So everything is on the table, and we just need to make sure we keep working hard, keep our head down, keep united, focus on the issues that the American people care about. New Yorkers care about crime is a big issue education, obviously the economy, and, and that's how we win. But, you know, I don't get in, in, interested in all the noise of, of infighting. Anybody who's doing that is wasting their time. We have to remember this is about retiring Chuck Schumer, retiring Nancy Pelosi, re, re, beating Hochul and other liberal progressive Democrats that are destroying our country. We need common sense in Washington, and the only way you're going to get common sense in Washington is if we have a balance of power and we have the Congress and the Senate to balance out some of the mistakes the president is making. Absolutely. And the Democrats are going to try and make it all about abortion and Roe v. Wade. We're seeing this in New York right now. And the reality is that's up to the state. That's going to be up to the state. New York has it in, in your law. It's, this, it's the law in California. And the Supreme Court sent it back to the states to decide. So the Democrats are going to use that to distract from the real issues that average Americans are feeling right now. And when you see Joe Biden probably tomorrow say, I'm going to wipe out student loan debt for the elites, for those who were able to go to college on the backs of Uber drivers and waiters and waitresses and people who are learning. Well, how about the 87,000 IRS agents? Have fun with that. Rona. Republican National Chairwoman Rona McDaniel, thank you so much. Keep working hard because we have to save America. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And, uh, guys, we're going to have a lot more to talk about after this, but we have Lou Dobbs calling in to tell us what the heck is happening in the markets. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats at Night on 77 WABC. 
Well, right now, coming calling us back, we have John McLaughlin, uh, who is one of the po- leading posters in the country. Uh, I got a text from Nicole Mayotakis a few minutes ago, and she says that voter turnout is the lowest she's ever had. Really, I, I I think that's true in a lot of places. Well, who would, who makes who makes a a primary on August twenty third? The courts. I mean, you can throw the bowling did. balls down the Park Avenue and Third Avenue. The courts do because the Democrats did this crazy redistricting, which was set aside, John. And and you're right. I mean, the Democrats they they basically tried to knock the Republicans down to. Four. They tried to segregate us into four seats. And now, because the judge threw it out, you've got, as of today, after today, there'll be nine seats out of our delegation in play that could really decide whether the Republicans have a healthy healthy majority in November or not. But uh, but these primaries, you know, you're hearing different things about different primaries. I think there's – still, I think there's going to be like an upset – uh, an upstate in the 22nd district, Kako's old district. I think uh, conservative party endorsed Brandon Williams will knock off Kako's endorsed candidate because Williams is a Trump supporter. Um, and, uh, you know, and Williams Williams spent, you know, about a couple hundred thousand to uh, Steve Wells spending, you know, well over a hundred thousand or a million. What about Langworthy uh, and Palladino? That one's that one I hear is going to be close because I hear again the polls are open until nine o'clock, mm. but I, I Paladino started out ahead because he's a better known name. He once ran for governor, uh, but I hear Langworthy's and I'm not playing in that race. I haven't polled there, but I hear Langworthy's modeling is is optimistic on their turnout. So there'll be a healthy turnout in the twenty third, um, and I think Garbarino in the second should uh, the congressman should be. Uh, okay, in his district, and Mike Lawler seems to be getting a good turnout of Republicans in Rockland. The real interesting story today may be heavier turnouts in the Democratic areas where they're battling among degrees of very liberal candidates to socialists. So like Sean Patrick Maloney is getting a real challenge from Alessandra Biaggi, the uh, uh, socialist backstate senator. And, you know, when you're looking at, you, you know, you're looking at the uh, I saw Mario Biagi in the street the other day, and I said, your, your father is turning over in his grave because of your niece. Mm. Well, mm. well, we, we all knew, you know, Congressman Biagi and my grandfather was a New York City detective who knew him from working in, in the DA's office in the Bronx. But uh, it was a, it's, it's a different person. It's a different, you know, uh, you know I, John, I saw your son on Saturday. Uh, uh, and you've done a great job raising a great young man. But I tell you, there's a lot of parents that they, they need to come back and revisit this. But uh, um, but when you look at, you know, seriously, there's going to be there's, there's some healthy primaries going on today. But the Democrats are having a battle for the soul of their party. And whether Nadler beats Carolyn Maloney or because uh, uh, Patel may be taking enough votes for Maloney that she can't win, you're going to get the more extreme there. Um, and in Brooklyn, Dan Goldman, you know, maybe Trump's endorsement helped him, and he'll come through that. So, uh, but, but, the, but you know what, John? This is Craig Eaton. Voted turnout. I heard today that in the governor's primary, the governor's race, fifteen percent of the Democratic Party came out to vote. I mean that that's a sad story. Fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, 
you know, they were saying we were going to have a real low turnout, and Lee Zeldin got almost a half a million, yeah, you know, yeah. people turning out for his primary that we won with 21 points. Oh, by the way, Lydia, I heard you mentioning that survey that came out, that USA survey. They're the ones that had Lee only winning the primary by two points right before primary day. They do it online, and God knows who they sample. Good. But I'm glad it's wrong. Down, it's down 24 points, so that means we're probably within five because they were off by 19 last time, so they're probably off right. by 19 so, again. So John is right. John's casting tease is right. As usual. I said, you know what I said about it? What does your, your old boss say? They're full of crap. They're, they're full of crap. I mean, they're and full of crap. There you go. I mean, <laughs> Kokel, I can't believe she came out and said that if you don't like what I'm doing here, Zeldin and whoever go back to Florida or go yeah. to Florida. What? what kind of campaign is that? Well, that could be the story today where Delgado's open seat, Mark 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 Molinaro, that that could have turned on her and that could win the race for Mark Molinaro in that special election to represent the old 19th through the rest of the year and help him win in November. And uh, uh, she said it. And, you know, she's feeling obviously a lot of pressure from Lee and from from other people. And, and uh, you know, it was it was it was a moment where when she says you're not New Yorkers. Uh, you know, it's it's a level of liberal intolerance where, you know, because we disagree with her on cash bail, because Lee, right, Lee disagrees with her on whether it's crime, corruption, taxes, et cetera, the, the exploitation of the middle class in New York State. Um, you know, I, I saying, think well, all the not- people in New York City, New York State, have to make up their mind by November. Who do you trust to keep you safe? Yeah. Exactly. And, She's and even- bottom line... Who has the testicles to keep you safe? Hochul is even yeah. staying quiet about qualified immunity for cops. I mean, she doesn't have right. the back the backs of the blue. She doesn't have the backs of hardworking New Yorkers. No, the she only cares about the radical no, left let, and the well, criminals. Hold on. The New York City Council weakened qualified immunity for police in New York City. And now they have proposals by the Democrats and state legislature to do the same thing statewide. That's something that has to be stopped. Because you're never going to get cops going into the street to protect the public. Right. Absolutely. And 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 that's what the election's about, whether, as John said, you know, are we going to be safe? And is New York State going to stay affordable? And are we going to get rid of this one-party corruption that you've got in Albany? Uh, because the intolerance is killing the state. And when you, when, you, uh, when you look at, again, the people are voting today. And when you look at these congressionals, they really will matter. Uh, in November, and again, going back to the Democrat battle in New York City, you've got Eric Adams supporting candidates like uh, Reverend Conrad Tiller against the uh, Conrad Tiller against the uh, uh, socialist member of the state senate there. So, if Adams doesn't get his state senate candidate, I elected, supported uh, uh, Conrad, Conrad Tiller. Right, right, because he's 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 he's. He's he's rational. He's he's moved in. Well, I'm telling. I tell all the people, vote against socialism because socialism turns into communism. Can't can't they just move to Venezuela if they really love socialism so much? I mean, it's an old concept that has never worked. So they need to go back to their history books. But but Conrad was right on the issues, John. I mean, we had him on on the show a few weeks ago, and he's right. I mean, he's got the Republican issues. What do we want? We want safe streets. That's it. We want to support the police. Don't even call the Republican. Just normal. Get rid of the homelessness. Common sense issues. The Just homelessness. Common sense the home, issues. Look out here. Look at the homelessness. It's ridiculous what's happening in 
New York City. People are getting bashed in the head with rocks, and Governor Hochul wants to put in congestion pricing to force people but, like me, people like you, to take the subway. Nobody's going to take the subway if they don't feel they're safe tw- on the subway. For $23 unless, or 82 for, if you're a truck driver, who's going to pay for that? The middle class. It's all about revenue because everyone just – whoever's going to drive into the city. I drive into the city when I it's come here. It's about revenue I'm for I'm going to pay the congestion account. pricing. I'm not going to get on the subway. So it's just going to – people aren't going to change yeah, their habits. They're money. just going to pay. I don't have money. Dom McLaughlin, <laughs> we might be talking to you tomorrow to find out what the heck happened. I'll, I'll, I'll be ready. And it's by the way, that's the most important thing. Forget the polls. Count the votes. And, you know, like you said, whether they're common sense Democrats in the city or whether they're uh, whether they're Republicans in the suburbs, we've got to take our state back. But the and, common sense Democrats must have the testicles to courage. vote against I have cousins and, and vote against uh, Hasty. They right. can't be just got- say they can't just say I'm a common sense Democrat. They got to vote against uh, the, uh, the the speaker of the uh, assembly and uh, and the and the in the Senate. Let the record reflect: you don't need testicles to have courage to speak the truth. <laughs> Thank you very much. Spoken by, <laughs> Julie, Julie, Julie <laughs> noted, by a woman. We spoken I by take, a woman. I take judicial notice of that. Uh, Thank okay, you. we got to go on. Let's take a break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to have Angelo Vivolo. A tough Italian. They want to cancel Columbus Day. Keep it right here. Cats at night. You talk. We listen. This is Talk Radio 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night Show. Now on the line for us, Angelo Vivolo. He's on the board of the Columbus Citizens Foundation, Columbus Heritage Coalition, and he's a major player in the Italian-American community. And what am I reading here, Angelo Vivolo, that there's some legislators that are proposing to wipe away the Columbus Day holiday, and it's being sponsored in the Senate by Jessica Ramos. What do you know? Well, I know uh, one one thing for sure. Uh, we need more common sense politicians in Albany than we have right now. And uh, one of them would be uh, uh, Ms. Ramos, because uh, she and eight other senators are proposing a bill uh, to do away with Columbus Day. You know, if we if we fall asleep at the wheel and don't say something, something like that will happen. I mean, is she running yeah, right now, uh, yes. Angelo? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, she's a far left She's a far well, left progressive. What section of the uh, city is she in? In Brooklyn. Queens. In Queens? Queens? All right. All our listeners, make sure you go out there and vote against Ramos. She wants to bring down Columbus. Yeah. She, you, know, you know, John, she's a proud uh, Latina, and uh, she should realize that Columbus sailed for Spain and brought the Hispanic language uh, to, uh, to the Western Hemisphere and the culture. So, I mean, as a proud Latina, she should be... She should be hailing uh, Columbus for doing that. I mean, uh, it is, once again, uh, it's uh, cancel culture. People don't, unfortunately, some people don't want to uh, learn uh, and speak the truth. And uh, that, that's our problem. And that's something that we have to address. And we cannot fall asleep at the wheel. We can't, we can't uh, close our eyes and say, well, you know, nothing's going to happen. If we don't speak up, people like Ramos uh, are going to uh, uh, try to cancel uh, Columbus Day, and uh, we we won't we won't tolerate that. Angela, yeah, so this is this is Craig Eaton, and you know I'm a proud Italian, and I've come to the Columbus Citizens Foundation many many times. But you know what? The problem with the politicians today is, in order to score points, um, they yeah. want they want to erase history, 
They want to just take all of our history, all of our American history and everything else and just erase it. And, and they, we can't allow them to happen. You can't allow them to and do that. And if they do it to the Italians, they're going to do it to the I Greeks. Know. They'll do it to the Jews. They'll do it to the Catholics. And where does they it want, end? They want to go to Las Vegas and take down Caesar's statue. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's absurd. It's absurd. And it's pro- got to stop. And, you know, you're right, Angela. We got to get we got to get common sense politicians in office. And John says that every day. Common sense. Not yeah. Republicans, not Democrats. They you have know, to have common sense. Totally agree. Uh, men and women and, and all yeah. that are going yeah. to do the right and thing. Angela is correct, by the way. She represents... Queens districts in Corona, East Elmhurst, Jackson Heights, Elmhurst, and parts of Astoria and Woodside. So that's where yeah. she's from. You know, things happen. You know, this is uh, we're talking about New York, New York State, but across the country, cancel culture. Look, I, we talked. Uh, John uh, had uh, had me on the show uh, in June when I talked about Newark. Uh, you know. In Newark, uh, in June 16th, they had a meeting, and this meeting said that the city had 60 days to make their claim of why that statue should, why the Columbus statue should come down, and why uh, the Washington uh, Park should be renamed. And uh, they never came; they never went back. They never that the sub they never reported to the subcommittee. Uh, they went directly to an assistant commissioner, and the Ross Baraka, the mayor of uh, of, of uh, Newark. Middle of the night, took down what was remaining of the statue. I mean, to me, this is in Governor Murphy's hands now. He represents all the people. He represents uh, everyone. And he should be in the forefront of correcting this wrong. Uh, Let's have due process, not just go in and and go and take down statues. And this is what's happening across the country in many cities. And unfortunately, uh, you know, it's not being met with force by – uh, by the uh, by, opposing people by by us, the normal people. When is Columbus Day? When when is the Columbus Day parade this year, uh, Angelo? The ninth, October ninth. Uh, yeah, Monday, October ninth. Monday, think, October ninth. I hope we're working again together, and uh, oh, and and, and we and we yes. look forward to it. And uh, we will protect Columbus, and we will protect Columbus statue, and we won't. Allow them to take down Caesar's statue in in, in uh, Caesar's palace. In Caesar's but palace. They took down Teddy and, Roosevelt's statue, and, and they want to replace it with Nero. You know, Nero, Rome is burning with Nero. Yeah, well, you want to put the Nero's film. statue? No, up. serious. You're being joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I hope it's a guy. I don't know. You never know because Listen, hedonism is quite Thomas popular Jefferson's these days. Name. They just stripped Thomas Jefferson's name off some uh, this is junior crazy. high school. They took country. down Teddy Roosevelt, that beautiful statue, the Museum of National National History. It's been there for eighty years. I I mean, it, it just it won't end. That's the problem. Yeah. It, you know, uh, as I said many times, when you offend one culture, you offend all cultures. We and agree 100%. Like uh, Angelo Vivolo, I hope to see you before uh, October 9th, I, Columbus Day, I, but we're going to be celebrating I, Columbus side by side. I will be with you, and I can't thank you enough for all that you've done on behalf of our community. Thank you so much. And uh, let's take a break, and when we come back, who do we have? Jerry Goldfeder. Goldfeder. Not Goldfinger. Goldfeder. Goldfeder. He's All an right. election lawyer. Let's take that break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. And if you haven't gone out there and vote, vote now and vote for a common sense candidate. On the line with us right now is Jerry Goldfeder. If anybody knows election law, it's Jerry Goldfeder with his 40-year election law history. Welcome to Cats at Night, Jerry. 
Jerry, it's uh, Richard to, Weinberg. Good Kelly. to be with you. So good I want to know, how did it turn out to be that we had two different primaries, one in June and one in August? How did that happen? Well, it happened because there are lawsuits and the courts created this mess. You know, the legislature has been drawing the lines of the state legislature and the Congress for 200 years, but we created an independent redistricting commission a number of years ago, and they didn't follow procedures, so Republicans uh, challenged the lines, the legislature drew their own, and it ended up that the highest court in New York threw out the lines, and they mandated a special master to draw their, the new congressional lines. And there wasn't enough time to have all the elections in June, in the June primary, when they were supposed to be. So a court upstate in Steuben County, not Steuben, but Steuben County, where is that? Uh, ordered that the congressional and the state Senate primaries be held in August. The courts got involved, and that's always a problem when that occurs. And that's the reason why we're voting again today. And how did it happen that it's Maloney versus Nadler? Well, that's another problem that was created. When the New York Court of Appeals said that the congressional lines were unconstitutional, instead of going back to the legislature and having the legislature draw the lines, they sent it to this special master who was from Pittsburgh, I think, who had no connection to New York, (laughs) and he just drew the lines. Well, we lost the we lost the Congress member. So somebody had a run in in a in a district that perhaps was against another incumbent. But you don't take the two most senior members of Congress and put them in the same district for them to run against each other. It's terrible for New York, whether you're for Nadler or for Maloney. I happen to be for Nadler, but there are good people for Maloney. And um, we're going They're to both friends of, of mine, so I, I know what you mean. They're both friends of mine. It's not fair what he, they did. They took two congressional candidates, senior candidates, 30 years each, and put them against each other's throat. And it looks like Patel has been siphoning votes away from Maloney. Well, we don't know that. Uh, he, Siraj Patel has run before. He, this is the third time he ran against Maloney two times before. It's hard to know who he is taking votes from. It's hard to know who's voting for him. I think at the end of the day, Jerry Nadler will win because on the West side, those of uh, those districts are the highest voting districts in the state. And needless to say, he has a very strong following and I think he will be uh, reelected. But it's terrible for New York that this special master put these two powerful Congress members together in one district. It's the courts created this problem. This special master from Pittsburgh with no connection to New York uh, created this. And I think we all lose when we lose one of them. Well, in fairness to the other side, Jerry, it seems to me that good issues were raised with respect to the the gerrymandering by the Democrats, where they took down the uh, the number of House seats held by Republicans from eight down to to four, so that set up the gambit for this uh, for this special master. Well, that's true. Even if you believe that the lines that were drawn were unconstitutional because they were too Democratic, uh, Big D, uh, and it was unfair to the Republicans. Even if you believe that, 
then the solution shouldn't have been given. It shouldn't have been given to a uh, a, a particular uh, uh, political scientist to draw lines who had no concept of neighborhoods in New York. The legislature should have done it, and they should. And the legislature would never have put two powerful Congress members against each other. So even if you think that the what the legislature originally did was unconstitutional. But, Jerry, they did it to themselves. They cheated. Mm-hmm. How's the song well, go? Uh, they cheated. Yeah, they lied. <laughs> they said that you love me. I, I, you know, I, I think green. in your next life, I think you could be a crooner, and I think that would work. That's right. I like that. Maybe Sunday, from Sunday night with cats. Do that. <laughs> Well, basically, if they didn't try to do such stupid things in legislature initially, it, it wouldn't have happened. But, the, well, that's, the, that's, but Maloney doesn't well, live in that district. She chose to run there. She could have run run where she lives. No, no, no? no yes, she does. No, no, no. no, no she Maloney. does. It's all Manhattan. You're mixing up. It's all Manhattan. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, okay. Sean Patrick Maloney upstate and Carolyn Maloney. Lives Maloney. In Different Irish person. Jerry Nablet does as well. Okay. Well, thank you, Jerry, for coming on, and we'll catch up on tomorrow. Find out who won, who lost. And uh, thank you, Jerry, and thank you, uh, Judge Weinberger, and thank you, Craig Eaton, Lydia Serrani, and uh, we're going to be up to midnight? Yeah. Well, what do we stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and and the American American way. way. God bless America. Get out and And vote. Get out and vote. Get out and vote. God bless New York. We need a blessing.